What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 282 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I am your host, Christian Piles, joined as always by my mainest man, Willie Saylor. We got the full band back together here today. We are brought to you today by ASICS. Shout out to ASICS. Thank you to ASICS for your support of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. And today, a unique circumstance, um, uh, unfortunate story, no matter which way you fall on the Bergen Catholic situation it is an unfortunate story and anytime you see allegations of of sexual abuse in in this sort of a situation and it's something that's become all too common in in sports and media etc you're seeing it a lot sexual abuse people in power abusing it etc you see it and your stomach gets queasy but then a a closer look at, at this situation and i think Despite what the media headlines are right now, um, and, and, and that's something I want to get to, is that I think the reporting or lack thereof of this situation has been so surface level and vacant that it, it's, it's a travesty when you consider the personal ramifications that these accusations have. This is this, It's full-fledged character assassination, and evidently no one in the media, no one in New Jersey has any interest in looking at at this lawsuit and asking questions because that that's all I think we're going to do. And I think if you've read this lawsuit, it begs a number of questions. But the first thing that got me kind of pouring into this and, and thinking, wow, Dave Bell, Dave Bell is maybe, and <clears throat> Willie can certainly help me out here, is maybe the most personally respected high school coach in America. When you talk to people about Dave Bell, now this is a guy that coaches Bergen Catholic. They were the number one or number two team in the country this year. That's a topic for another day. One of the best teams year in and year out the last couple years. No one talks about Dave Bell's chops in the wrestling room. No one says this guy is a Matt Wizard. They talk about how Dave Bell has changed their life, how he has been a mentor, how he has personally helped these kids. That's the first thing that comes up when you talk to other coaches about him. Coach Terrapelli, uh, another highly respected coach, has come out in support of Coach Bell. But that's what his athletes say about him. So immediately you see an accusation like this against someone like that, the most widely respected guy maybe in high school wrestling. That makes you give it a side eye in the initial. I don't even think... I don't even think we're talking about this if it's not Dave Bell because um, it's one thing for a number one or number two kid, uh, team in the country. You know, let's say a head coach, another head coach of a top program in the country had this allegation against him come out. Uh, we might be saying, whoa, <laughs> this is weird. This is different. Mm-hmm. I hope this isn't true. It comes out about Dave Bell and you're like, no. No. Yeah. And and listen, there could be some things that I mean you you never know anymore. Of course. Right? You never know of anymore. Of course. But Dave Bell is a that dude is a godsend. I love yeah. him. People across the country love him. Um you know, you have 
rival schools from California saying you love them. Well, well, hey, don't, I would, I'd be careful with that love word. Yeah, that's love. that's mentioned in the lawsuit. Yeah, telling a kid he loved him. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's be careful. We don't want to find our names on there. Yeah. Let's so go ahead. But you ask college coaches. Yeah. They think the world of them. Um, I don't know anybody that's come across them um, that that wouldn't advocate for Dave Bell and talk about how. In fact, you know, I didn't like the. I think it's a little cheap and lazy, maybe effective though. Uh, how they position um, the lawsuit. First of all, you go like this. You go. You go, wrestling, Catholic, yeah. and then you throw the word sexual in there, dude. You could be the most innocent human being in the world. That's gonna that's gonna make everybody's the hair on their arm stand up. Right, and. And like you were saying, the reporting of it, too, I, I just find it funny. Um, you know, one of the articles that was written, it was like, Coach, the, oh, the opening of it. Coach Dave Bell of Powerhouse Bergen Catholic sexually abused wrestlers if this case is true, if this allegation is true. Why lead with that? Yeah. I mean, why lead with it in that way? I mean, it's just sensational. Um, I yeah, I don't know. it's it was it's inaccurate. It's late. It's lazy. So the the media reporting on this is probably we could do a whole show on that and, and what they've done. But I think w what's important here is let's just look at the facts of what is in the lawsuit because I think if you look closely at the lawsuit and you ask this one question throughout it as you're reading, is this the behavior of parents? who have a child that was a victim of sexual abuse. Ask that question. Hold on. Ask that question throughout the facts as we lay them out, as they've laid them out throughout this lawsuit. Is this what you would do? Is this what a reasonable parent would do if your child was a victim of sexual abuse and sexual assault, as is levied here? That's a great question. Can we, can we get something out of the way, though, first? Because the, the whole idea of victim shaming... I want to like, I I don't want to accuse a kid. I don't want to berate a kid uh, because I mean I don't. What are the rules to this anymore? Right? Like if a if somebody accuses somebody else and you are skeptical of it, I'm we're just voicing our opinions. We're just looking at the facts and looking at what we know. We're not trying to poo poo on any kid. We're not trying to victim shame. No, no one is. Uh, I, I think. If, if this were true, this stuff was all true, then the parents and the attorneys involved have done the kid a massive uh, injustice with how they've handled it, okay? Mm -hmm. The first instance of, of the sexual abuse is, goes all the way back to December at the Beast of the East where it is alleged that um, a coach, not Coach Bell, showed a pornographic image on his phone to a group of wrestlers, okay? Now, Coach Spataro, yes. who <laughs> is an awesome, awesome dude. Okay, so that's an allegation. That is not good. In my opinion, that is the most um, serious, specific allegation in this lawsuit. The showing a pornographic image. If you look at these specific things that are mentioned, this is probably the most potentially disturbing one. Now, the great thing about it 
if there is one, this can easily be proven. Yeah, he either did or didn't. Either did or didn't. It, give up the phone, you can easily tell. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. The, they can, the government, the law enforcement can figure this out in two seconds. And also the fact that he allegedly showed it to multiple wrestlers. Certainly those wrestlers would come forward and corroborate the story if it were true. Now, to my knowledge, that has not happened. But, okay, that's one of the things. That's one of the allegations. That's in December. In January, or sometime later, it's um, they focus on Coach Bell. They say that Coach Bell called the plaintiff shredded, okay, which is like calling kid jacked or ripped or strong looking, okay. They also mention that he said I he told him in texts and maybe emails I I love you, or that he loved him. Um, so. Let's first just take those two things. But the end of this sentence is the most interesting part. He stated the plaintiff was shredded, parentheses, meaning extremely muscular and physically fit, and texted an email plaintiff that he loved him, comma, as well as other highly inappropriate and sexual predatory behavior on a minor child. Interesting. I, I'm not an attorney, but you would think... I would lead with the highly inappropriate and sexual predatory behavior on a minor t- child. I would not lead with shredded. Does I would it, not lead with I love you. So you can't just throw in that, that kind of vagary and then say, okay, there's these two things and other way worse stuff. That's not how it works. The lawsuit should contain details. Okay, I've, ta- I've spoken. I'm not an attorney. I've spoken with multiple attorneys about this. What should we be looking for in here? Shouldn't this be included? They said, absolutely. Those details should be outlined in here and they're not in here. And instead we're focusing on calling a kid shredded, which I guarantee I coached for what's like six years, high school. I guarantee you, I called a kid jacked or shredded or ripped it so far. I know I've told multiple wrestlers. I coached that. I love them because I love them. Right. Um, so so what what is happening here is the the very act of mentorship and coaching is in jeopardy here with this. Um and well, it's it's flimsy. It reads flimsy. Oh, I I don't yes. read I don't read legal documents on a regular basis, but I read this one from top to bottom and I I don't know. I don't know how like somebody in a judge or something doesn't look at it and and go, "What?" What? what am I looking at? First of all, it's completely redundant and repetitive. They, they, it could have been summed up in, in about three paragraphs. They didn't protect my child. and It was like they had, you know, we were all in college and you had like maybe a 2,000 word assignment. And you just, you can, I was pretty good at this. You could find ways just to extend the sentences, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they didn't make, but, but maybe it's just, that's just how legal But the most glaring, are. I mean, some of the most glaring things are that two things jump out at you right away. One, they say they have victims two to one hundred. Mm-hmm. They will be forthcoming. You have you have you have one hundred other people that were that were corroborate so, this. So I asked about this. So that, that actually, it sounds crazy, but that is actually a something that happens. Like with the Bill Cosby case, you kind of file this broad um, lawsuit against someone, and it's kind of open for other if other people to step forward yes so this is like that's kind of normal practice so so when when i'm ignorant of uh, i'm naive when it comes to legal documents that is not saying that there's a hundred others that is a placeholder to say if somebody else comes forward 
we'll put him in there. We got nine. We got room for nine, nine more. On Anybody want to sign up? We got nine. Our roster is ninety nine deep at least. <laughs> um, so now, but but you read that and then you read. Uh, he said he was shredded because that's the first thing that hits, right? That's the first thing. That's the first like detail, detail in the thing. So I'll tell you what: we're gonna sit down. We're gonna draft this legal document. What we're gonna lead with? Shredded. He called him shredded. He said, "I love you," and other aggressive, predatory suggestions. What? Okay. All right. So, of note, the word- how about you? Li- how about if? If there are additional s- aggressive sexual toys, how about you lead with? How about you go with but, that? But yeah, because what, what's that? That's what I said. Yeah, that's what you lead with. Sexual assault. The words, the two words, sexual assault, is mentioned in this lawsuit nineteen times. Okay, New New Jersey law says that there must be contact. Okay, without getting so specific, sexual assault involves contact. Okay, physical touching. Right? That's what sexual assault refers to. However, at no point in this lawsuit is any physical touching described, mentioned. uh, It's just, they're just throwing the word in there. That's what I was was saying. They're just putting sexual, they're just putting the word sexual assault in there. Now, why would they do that? Why are they getting detailed over shredded and I love you? They don't mind getting detailed there. But they're not going to get detailed on what is the worst part of it. The sexual assault of, of the plaintiff. Now, what is even more interesting? Andrew T. Miltenberg Esquire, the attorney listed here, goes to the media, on TV, cameras rolling, says that there was physical handling from the BC staff to the plaintiff physical handling I, I guess that's you could say touching you could say a lot of things but I, I guess if they wrestled yeah <laughs> perhaps they wrestled so maybe he didn't lie um but their physical touching why is that not mentioned here why is that not in the lawsuit Physi- well, i would lead with hold on i would lead with the physical handling i would lead with the highly inappropriate and sexual predatory behavior on a minor child or a child but that's not in here Okay, and what is interesting about that and what you could maybe assert or my thought is, I don't know this to be true, but a an attorney can get in serious, serious hot water. If they put physical touching and, and these details in the lawsuit itself, they're subject to a lot more potential punishment, whereas they can just kind of throw it out there and they're just trying to win this public opinion yeah. sort of thing right now. So they can go, they can be more outspoken and brought and just don't get into stuff that is actually even in the lawsuit and just throw out these bombs. They're lobbing grenades, physical handling, but it's nowhere mentioned in here. Why would that be the case? Why? And here's the question that I, that I want in your minds. Is this the behavior of parents who have a child that was a victim of sexual abuse? If you had a kid that was sexually abused, why would you leave him in the school? Why would you not go? What What is your... You don't have to be a parent to to put yourself in this hypothetical situation and know exactly how you would act. If a loved one was sexually abused, I am going to the cops. Mm-hmm. I'm going to the police. I want this dangerous person in jail. And you sure is 
hell don't care about their wrestling future. Well, right. I don't know. He's getting sexually abused, but let's see if he can win the uh, whatever weight class spot. Well, that's not mentioned in the lawsuit. Um, but What's th- not mentioned? Him vying for a spot. No, okay. So uh, the point, hold on. You don't leave oh. him on a wrestling team. Right. You don't. What is you, mentioned is the his wrestling. He's trying to get into a college and be recruited. Right. So if if your child was sexually abused in December and you let him remain on the team all the way through January and there are emails from parent to Bergen Catholic um, staff in late January asking about the details of a wrestle-off. Okay, and th- and that's that's a that's a totally separate thing, and we kind of are like talking around a wrestle off a little bit here, and we're not getting into specifics of who is involved here. Just know there's probably more to the story. There is more to the story, well, but I'm, but there's a legal implication there that we are trying to avoid because this is clearly a litigious and vindictive family. Well, I mean, yeah, but we could say what the other story. We don't have to mention a weight. We don't have to mention a name. I mean, the back the backdrop of this is a kid couldn't make the lineup, and then got vindictive about it. Potentially, um, so why would you, if your child was being sexual abused, leave them in the school on the team? Why would you wait until April to file a lawsuit? Why at no point did you go to the police? Why would you leave him in this situation? Why in January would you file a HIB complaint, which is harassment, intimidation, and bullying. Okay, that is that is a complaint that is basically um, within the school, within a school. Right, this is something you can kind of levy if there's harassment, intimidation, or bullying. It's simple. It's not. It doesn't really fall under the kind of sexual. It's like I can't really think of a parallel, but it's like if you were okay, maybe it's like this. If you were if you were sexually uh, assaulted or harassed at work or or something really bad and you went to HR. Let's say you were violated completely. You went to HR. You didn't go to the cops. It's, it's kind of like that. Like, wait, you're being abused. You go to the cops. You don't file this little thing. That doesn't really necessarily encompass sexual assault. So why are you going there in the initial? There's nothing about sexual abuse. It's about bullying, right? Then in January, you're, you're asking about a wrestle-off. Okay. Then two, three months later, you still haven't gone to the cops and you're, you're filing a lawsuit. Are these the actions of parents whose son was sexually abused? No. And I mean, I don't know how much you're worried about them suing us or what my journalistic responsibilities are, what I can say and can't say. But the, the father in question made a social media post praising the coaches right in the middle of all this thing. Right? So, I mean, what are you talking about? Okay. Um, so, the the lawsuit is full of all these vague, this vague terminology. Um, there's locker room allegations, which, which are completely unprovable, that Coach Bell watched kids undress or get dressed in the locker room, which 
I mean, isn't that what happens? Isn't that what the locker room for? You get changed in the locker room. Now, I mean, and how do you prove looking at or staring or, or what? It, it's totally unprovable. And it's probably in there for that reason because you can't prove it, but you can very easily say it. Um, so, in, in my opinion, the, the, the real tragedy here is the impact that this has on coaching. That this has on wrestling needs men who are leaders to to coach and lead other men to create more leaders. And what this does, if I mean, even if if nothing else happens, if this is the end of it, this is dismissed and everything. Coach Bell's legacy, in many ways, is tarnished and ruined. I don't know if he'll be able to to continue coaching. I don't know what this will be, if he'll even want to. Because for the investment of time that a, a wrestling a wrestling coach puts in relative to the compensation, and if you have to factor in that you're at risk, every single wrestling coach could have this exact stuff levied against them so easily. You could get into locker room stuff. You could probably get a thousand coaches that have told kids they loved them. You could get a thousand coaches that have said you're jacked, you're shredded, you're ripped. Uh, a thousand coaches that have been in the locker room while kids got ch- were were changing. Okay, <laughs> you're basically making coaching illegal, and you're gonna the pragmatic decision as smart men are or are, are women are thinking about getting into coaching. Why would I do this? Why would I work? Why would I help these parents when I can be the, the nature of coaching is so litigious now that I could be subject of a lawsuit. My life could be ruined. I could be financially. And how could I possibly prove my innocence? How can Coach Bell prove he didn't look? How do you, how well, do you prove I that? You, I don't know if you have to. That's looking, looking is not illegal. I mean, I don't think that <clears> – <throat> If this goes through, and, and, and like if this goes through, and it you know it says you know there's nothing here, they're exonerated. There's nothing here. I, I don't think Dave Bell takes a hit. I think it's an inconvenience. I think so many people. I don't think. I don't think this people, isn't an inconvenience. I don't think people question. What, do you think that people question Dave Bell? Because um in the wrestling community, probably not. But I mean, this is that I got on Twitter, went to the news thing. Sometimes it's about a LeBron James dunk. The main thing in, in your news, it was about this. This is a, a national story. Well, guess what? So, I mean, this is the world of tort and legal stuff we live in. You, you don't have to have much. You, you don't have to have anything to push, to push a lawsuit. So I, I th- there's, there's more to this. Continue to ask. Be, be inquisitive. I encourage everyone to read. The lawsuit and and ask these questions because I think there's a lot that can be poked. I mean, yeah, you mentioned the the schools mentioned and, and all that. They, they almost sound in the lawsuit off put that they said the son's no longer on the wrestling team. They're like upset. Absolutely, you're upset that the kid's not on the team. I tell you what was I tell you what else was really weird to me was that they said that he was off the team and they were up. He can see that they were upset about that um and it was mentioned at least two or three times that he was trying to get scholarships to certain places um but it it mentioned that wrestling like regained his confidence because he was bullied when he was younger 
And I thought that was really odd. It's like you're almost you're almost saying that he's it's like he maybe has a condition, like he was bullied before and now he's feeling it again. I, mean, I don't know why they would put that in there. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I just this was interesting. This is not important, but I thought it was interesting. It maybe speaks to the level of detail or lack thereof that the lawyers put into this. It's important to note that the plaintiff is an outstanding wrestler who has achieved the highest levels in wrestling, um, which is debatable. He's not achieved the highest levels in wrestling, uh, and is actively being recruited by numerous prestigious Ivy League colleges, including New York University. N- not an Ivy League college, so. Details, guys. Details. Those should be included. Now, that's what we have on the lawsuit. There's more we could get into. I would like to read a few testimonials from other people involved that had great things to say. And I about think I think what? these these articles that came out and they positioned it in a way they shouldn't have, I think they regretted it, and then they ran a piece praising him. Yeah, because they were so quick, shameful media, to just post this headline because scumbags were running around to the media trying to get them to run it, and they ran it first, asked questions later, way too late. They're still not asking questions. They're just kind of doing something that maybe a a puff piece for... No one would... I, I would imagine no one did this for Sandusky after he got the he's like yeah. here's here's the athletes what they had to say I doubt this piece no. was, so I think you're probably right here's one from Adam Tirapelli coach at Clovis another highly respected coach Coach Bell is my homeboy because he respects the sport isn't afraid to compete treats others well loves his wrestlers and isn't in coaching for accolades, rankings, or personal glory. He's as genuine as they come. This is what should be trending. Feel free to share your own, which others did. Jordan Pagano, um, wrestler at Rutgers. To Coach Bell, I absolutely love you and everything you've done for me. He said, I love you. Everything you've done for me. I'm not only a better wrestler, but a better man for having you in my life. There's a special place in hell for the people who fabricated this story. Don't sweat it, though. Bergen Catholic has your back, Coach. Outside, this that was Jordan Pagano. Larry Otsuka. Outside of my father, Coach Bell is the biggest male influence of my life. My confidence just grew. It let me strive for things I never imagined. Ben Duranio. Coach Bell is one of the main reasons we've had success in our careers because of how he treated us in our wrestling career. Joe Grello, another... Uh, Rutgers wrestler, world team member, etc. He's, David Bell, like a second dad to me. Robert Howard, current Bergen Catholic wrestler, one of the top lightweights in the country. Coach Bell has a flawless reputation as someone who exhibits class and character as a coach and a human being. You'd be a fool to even consider the possibility that this is even an ounce true. This is a kid that's in the room every day in this same predatory, alleged predatory environment. That's that's what he says. And right, and then here comes Josh McKenzie. There's several current team members that have said um, Tyler Casamenti breaking most inaccurate accusations I've ever heard. Coach Bell and the rest of the coaches are some of the best people I've had the privilege of knowing and still look up to. Can't believe some salty parents are trying to ruin the program and coach's reputation. Here's one from a parent uh, named Harry Asatrian. 
a parent shared this video, which speaks volumes about the Bergen boys' love and support of each other. Credit to BC and its coaching staff of shaping our boys to become men with class. Deus Volt. More to come. This isn't over, obviously. We're hopeful for the truth. All right, so two things, if you're done. Yeah. Um, one, I don't know the law, but is there is there if this turns out to be fabricated and baseless, and is there any? Oh yeah. Recompense. I mean. Oh yeah. Countersuit. Uh, if a countersuit hasn't been filed, it's going to be filed. Mm-hmm. Right. Good. Good. And I don't. I mean. I don't much care about that, but there should be. There should be something. To, you cannot run around doing this, or you shouldn't be, right? Yeah. Allowed to make. And the second thing is, I I spoke with somebody that's a lawyer, and he was concerned. While he thinks that it could be a lot of BS, he's just hoping that the chain of event it was reported correctly, so they don't get hung up in like, the well, minutia. you were supposed to, right? Oh, this, you know. This legal mumbo jumbo and how it's reported exactly. Goes. So what? What basically? There's Title IX in high school as well, and there's a chain of events that should happen when sexual abuse is reported. Uh, reported that it, there's a chain of command. Like if it was told to coach, the coach goes to administration. Administration goes to this. There's a, without getting into the, there is that. Now my understanding is it 100 percent. Um, was handled properly. Now they they didn't, but of note, there was no allegation of sexual abuse until this lawsuit. There was no contacting of the police at any point. It's still to this day criminal charges. <laughs> you a kid what? sexually a kid sexually abused uh, was sexually abused. You didn't go to the cops. What does that suggest, parents? It suggests that what kind of a parent are you if you don't want? I suggest they put it in there as a trigger word, right? Like, I mean, you know what would be good if we said sexual abuse. And boy, did the media latch onto it and run with it. And they put it in there so many times. How could you not, right? They it's just the just the word combo sexual assault is nineteen. The word sexual, who knows how many times it's in there? I can do a um, and there there are examples. Seventy two times the word sexual is is in there. And there are examples. There are hard hitting evidence for. Sexual is, man, you're ripped, and I love you. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm Steams. It's tough to transition from this. There is no segue that makes sense. And this is where my mind has been since I read this. So if I get struck with another point or something I out, I'm going to probably divert from U.S. Open or fan questions back to this. Um, but here we go to other things. Tim Flynn to West Virginia. This is this has multiple. This this was close to home. Well, because Kyle Brackey, keep Kyle. Kyle Brackey is. I was a, already spending his salary on something else. I know. We're going to have to restructure. Yeah. We thought he was gone. So let's cut to Kyle. Let's get his reactions, his dream job. Kyle, listen, I know you guys think this was a gag. 
This is serious. Kyle applied for this job. Yeah. Uh, I got my rejection letter yesterday. Oh, my Or gosh. email, I should say, after the Tim Flynn news. So, not great handling uh, there by West Virginia. Wow. So, yeah. you had to find out through the media. Through the media. That you did not get the job. How'd you first found out you saw Tim Flynn's billboard in Morgantown. Yeah. And Zeb decided to kick me while I was down last what night. What did he say? He tweeted out the picture of the new billboard of Tim Flynn in Morgantown and said this could have been you. Wow. Man, you know, I want to lift you up while you're down. Did you it's get been a rough 48 hours. I'm sure. I'm keeping my head up. I'm trying to move on. Yeah. He's a good guy. He's a good coach. He'll do a good job. just felt like that was my job. Did you, did you get any texts or calls from Coach Greenlee? No, I haven't heard from him. I th- yeah, I haven't heard from him yet. Sometimes oh. when someone's a... Uh, been through something hard you just want to give them their space i'm yeah. sure that's what well, there's a grieving process yeah the, how many steps are there maybe five or like finally is the last one's acceptance yeah i'm not there yet yeah <laughs> will you you're not in denial anymore are you <laughs> no not in denial you know it was a real big slap in the face no is uh after the news broke i had to social it <laughs> oh, man. oh my gosh oh this that's is tough Oh, I'm sorry, dude. Yeah. If you need some um, paid time off, unlimited? we have unlimited airflow <laughs> sports. <laughs> Perpetual Allegedly. time off. So, so that does some make people me feel better. Yeah. Well, now, hold on. Did did Coach Flynn contact you about an, an associate job? I have not been in contact with Coach Flynn yet. Because, you know, maybe coach and waiting situation. That would be awesome. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, would not, uh, I would not turn that down. I will accept all calls from Coach Flynn. Okay. Will you... You know, is there if is there any bitterness there? Will you help him if he has? You know, he asks you for pointers. There's no bitterness. Maybe he asks uh, you about certain recruits. I will absolutely help him. Love my home state and West wow. Virginia still, so I, I will help him. I got to say, Kyle, you're handling this with nothing but class. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And Would you uh, recommend your father as a general counsel for the wrestling team? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well. So where does that well, let's why don't we talk about um now that we've gotten that out of the way we've been friends first I say friend first mm-hmm. okay but let's talk about the news Tim Flynn is one of the best coaches in the country mm-hmm. he won coach of the year a couple years back he had Edinburgh in the top they won a trophy okay it's amazing now he's going to West Virginia they have three in the finals no they had two in the finals. Port, and Shop was third. Port Habit and Shop was third. And Vic Avery. And Avery was, was like Avery. third. Yeah. He, he plays. He was third. Vic Avery got third. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> of all people. That was Vic, an, I mean, you know that was who, an incredible team. Yeah. You know who of all people's birthday it was yesterday? Chip Ness. Congrats, Chip. That was a Tony Ramos joke. Big Chip Ness fan. Um all right, don't don't divert me, Willie. Let's talk about the move. All Tim right. Flynn is the head coach. This has to be a good thing for West Virginia, right? Sure. I mean, this is a Tim great Flynn hire. Tim Flynn has been nothing but a pillar of consistency, right? I mean, very structured. I mean, of course, you know, it's not every year you're going to have four in the top four. It's you're not Edinburgh is not going to take top five as a team every year. But you know, you're going to get a good product year in year out, right? 
And that's something that West Virginia hasn't had in a long time. His reputation precedes him. He's gonna he's gonna get a lot of looks from from top kids. He's probably gonna round out a really um, nice staff, and he, he's going to, you know, let's be honest, he's going to have more resources than he ever had at Edinburgh. What I like uh, about this hire, a couple of things. One, Coach Flynn has a track record of recruiting Pennsylvania. Not only, I, th- I think he's got a great eye for talent. He finds guys, it, you, you'll see a kind of a, a tough kid, and he'll kind of emerge to me. And be like, oh, he's going to Edinburgh. Like they already had him. Like before his kind of break. So I think he's yeah. got a good eye for that, right? That's huge. Mm-hmm. Now I think I think it's going to open him up to a couple more blue chips as well, too. It is. So he's going to get more blue chippers in there. He's also um, going to make going to continue to do what he does. Identify identify that talent at a younger age. You know, he, when people started drooling on Dakota Gear, he was already wrapped up. Too late. Too late. I mean, and it's not just that he. It's not just that he identifies talent early. It's not just that he recruits Pennsylvania. Um, he had Vic Avery, Vermont. He has Sean Russell, Georgia. Georgia. He has uh, Sean Russell. Although honestly, Lugo, Florida. Sean Russell probably one of the more credentialed recruits he's landed. Yeah, that was one guy that was like, dude, this was a top one or two guy in his career. There, were, there are not many of those that found their way. Yeah, so he's done a good job, and I think. Uh, recruiting, certainly t- coaching, certainly, and more resources now. Yeah, I think it's right. W- one thing, you know, Coach Flynn is not 30 years old, okay? He's an older – but this is a guy with great energy and passion for the sports. Uh, I, I think he is a long-term solution at yeah. West Virginia. I mean, you, Nick Saban, how old's that guy? I mean, he doesn't look that old, but he's like – Older. There's there's coaches that are having great success at his age. Kyle's gonna come at me with, with the well, sixty six. Coach Saban, sixty six. Tim Flynn's like his mid. I know that's football, but it's a very intense job. Coach Flynn also, if I may, I hope I don't get sued, <laughs> but that dude is shredded. That man is in very good physical him. shape. Did you see that headlock video? Yeah. This dude is jacked. Hey, so right. Please don't sue but me. But I coach. don't know if. Listen, you can surround the team with, with younger uh, assistants, right? You can. That's what I'm really it, curious: is who is gonna, who is he gonna bring on staff? Well, I think the whole staff's going with. Yeah, the whole okay. staff's going with him. That's my really? understanding. Yeah, everyone. So like we're packing up, leaving. And right. Bracky. And Bracky. If they'll have me. So Bracky's gonna run the RTC. All right, so we can talk about West Virginia, but. I mean, the other the other story is Edinburgh, and the problem is there. Um, listen, Edinburgh to West Virginia is a step up in resources, step up in prestige, right? But there's a backstory there too that the Pennsylvania state school system might shutter doors, right? So, I mean, this isn't breaking news. They came out with a story last year that says. Um, PSAC schools might have to be consolidated and maybe they shut down this one and keep this one open. I don't know. Clarion Clarion just unveiled plans. They already broke ground. I talked to Keith Ferraro about it last week, but they're building a whole new gymnasium. So they're, that's like a couple million dollar project. So I, I wouldn't think Clarion's shutting down. I don't, I don't have any idea if Edinburgh's shutting down. I don't want to put that out to scare people. But there is that thing floating around there, and there is numerous articles um, – about problems in, in with the PSAC schools. 
Okay. W- one more thing before um, we kind of put put a bonus, maybe. I have this question. I don't necessarily have this concern, but I always have this question whenever a in any sport when a coach like Tim Flynn who goes to a, a bigger school with more resources. It happens most often in basketball. So, again, I'm not saying Tim Flynn can't get the job done at WVU. But sometimes guys can do really well at small schools, and they're the guy that can take a, a program in the 50s or the 100s to the top 10 and have All-Americans you know, or, or have conference sales or whatever. And then they get to a big institution and – pressure expectations or whatever happens and they actually end up doing worse mm-hmm. well we saw this in wrestling with mark cody that's yeah that's, that's the, the most glaring only one that i can think of yeah off the top of my head anyway um because i don't think it happens as often in wrestling either i think there's a, a i don't know well, a look cycle at, of I mean, like staying Tom Ryan went from hoster to ohio state did just fine yeah, yeah. and and pat pop yeah. Binghamton to NC State. I say there's a there's a better track record of the contrary to this. Yes, it happens. It happened at Oklahoma one hundred percent with with Coach Cody. He was better. The wrestling teams at American would beat the wrestling teams he had at Oklahoma at any point. Unbelievable. Which is crazy. It now here's my thing. If Coach Flynn simply gets West Virginia to the Edinburgh level, <laughs> he has drastically yeah. improved mm-hmm. the health of and the success of West Virginia wrestling. This is not. This takes time. Okay, Virginia Tech took time for Dresser. All right, so this is five, I six think, years before you maybe see the fruits of this. Yeah, I think the next couple of years it's going to look like what it did at Iowa State this past year. A lot of kids leaving. Yeah, a lot of turnover. Yeah, um, but I'm, and people kind of freak out about that. They're like, "What's going on? He can't be doing that good of a job." That's what happens. Well, it's Tommy what should happen. Tommy Gant was what the only guy remaining four mm-hmm. years later. Yes. That team was. And good. look where NC State is now. It happened. You just have to give it time. It's a whole new culture. It's a whole uh, philosophy. It just takes some time. Yeah, the Tommy Gant um, example is perfect. Exactly right. But so, we are seeing. Um, but we are seeing younger kids. I don't. I don't know if there's data on this, but it seems like younger kids are. Better sooner, right? I mean, Yanni walks in, wins a title. Spencer walks in, wins a title. Um, you know, maybe David Carr um, does really well after a year. Maybe West Virginia gets a blue chipper or two that right away uh, surpasses anything West Virginia's done in a while. Right. Well, and the question there is Braxton Amos. Because for me, regardless of what state you're in, again, any sport, like win your state. And to have a kid who is probably credential-wise going to be the best recruit since Raider. Yeah, in West Virginia, absolutely. To to come out of West Virginia, and, you know, Braxton's got a lot of options. He's a really smart kid that could go, you know, Ivy route or or military route because he's he's got all those options. But to try to to keep Braxton Amos in state would be one of the highest priorities for me if I'm Tim. Sure, I I think so, but. I actually not the only one, but I, it's, I actually it's important. don't. I don't agree with that because well, that is you, you might not fit what Braxton wants. Well, yeah, that's why, have, well, that's why on, I had those caveats on. though. Yeah, yeah, I know you did, but it's like you, you can't even put that. You go after him, you give him the pitch, you try to keep him as best you can. But if he goes to an Ivy or he goes to an academy, it's not a or referendum. Ohio State. That's not a reflection of anything. 
He went to Ohio. If he goes to Ohio State, yeah, why wouldn't he has aspirations as an upperweight? So you go with Travell and Kyle. Yeah. There's just nothing you can you you don't you just can't put that much stock in it. All you can do is give it an effort. It's not a success or failure if they don't get Braxton Amos. He is not going to turn around the program. It's going to be a volume of quality wrestlers. And if they get him, that is awesome. But I just I just don't subscribe to that. Yeah, I don't think it makes I don't, it I, don't put, I get why you think it's important. It's just not as important to me um, to, to land Braxton. Especially in a state that doesn't really produce a lot of D1 guys, right? Yeah. It's not like a Braxton left, so the other West Virginia talent's going to leave. You know, it's not like... Exactly. Yeah. It's not like that. They can still recruit heavily in the Pittsburgh area, which is right in their backyard, mm-hmm. and in uh, uh, Ohio area. They get, you know, a Graham kid. Or I mean, Ohio's loaded with talent, right? To me, just build the wall around build Ohio, wall. Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. I'm building the wall, and no mm-hmm. one's getting out. Well, I would, I would work over – like Indiana and maybe the Chicago area. Okay, so just put that in there. Okay, so as long as I they would get a- expand to California, too, mm. and mm. as far south as Florida. Mm-hmm. Have they looked into Dagestan, Eastern Seaboard and Dagestan? I think. Yeah. So just that small security <laughs> perimeter. If you keep all those wrestlers in there, you're they gonna have a top ten right. finish. Top ten finish. Yeah. I'll put my name on it. Top ten if they can lock down. PA, Ohio, California, Dagestan, and Florida. Khabib still has. Khabib's got four years. Four years. People forget that. So, great hire there. Hope for the best for Edinburgh, that they get a quality coach. Um, there's a decent line. Of, there's a decent coaching tree there. Um, I would think someone would be interested in that. So, Cliff Moore, huh? I did not know that the staff was going or rumored to be going. So, what, what does that do for Edinburgh? We don't know. They're open. Yeah, right. Uh, that, that they're open. Mm. Arkansas, State. Arkansas. What? No man. Cleveland State. Cleveland, Cleveland State. State. Right. So three openings. It's interesting. One of them's a unique one with Arkansas Little Rock, but you know, two other openings. Now, so, someone asked the question. Oh yeah, I know who asked the question. Robert Sasso, <laughs> the father of one Sammy Sasso. <laughs> Better hire Bono at Wisconsin or Flynn at West Virginia. Both home runs. I don't know. Um, I don't want to sit on the fence, but I don't. I I truly don't have a pre- preference in the hire. I think Bono was a slam dunk. I thought he was. He seemed like on paper what he had done at South Dakota State as a head coach, the obvious choice, right? Same for I mean Flynn. You you talk about you know Coach Colat's name got thrown out there. Coleman Scott's name got thrown out there. Um, no one had no name for the West Virginia job had the coaching credentials and chops of Tim Flynn. Period. I didn't hear a name that 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 measured up to Coach Flynn. Mm-hmm. Coach Flynn was the highest bar, and I didn't hear another name involved that was higher. And, and I, I think th- both. I think both were perfect fits for the program they went to. Mm-hmm. And remember, do I have this right? Did, did Tim Flynn? Put his name in for Pitt and then kind of withdraw it. Yeah. So 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 what does that tell you, Tim Flynn? He was looking. He w- well, he was looking, but he was he was going to make sure the situation's right. He yeah. obviously loves and believes in the future at West Virginia. Yeah. He wasn't just going because it's a the pit the pit hiring situation is a is well, a two, yeah. is a nine part FRL 
mm-hmm. of its own. And it was a travesty how they handled that. And it was a travesty for Coach Gavin how it played out, even though he was ultimately the guy tabbed. Um, but, yeah, Flynn was, like, all but there. At the, to my knowledge, he had told the Edinburgh team he was going to pit last year. And then shenanigans with Pitt. The AD wouldn't commit to the new wrestling facility, right? Yeah. He, they said it, but they would not put it in writing. So Unreal. Um, okay. We got the Dream Team Classic coming up. The marquee um, match there is Brayton Lee and Ja'Cory Teamer. Also, I'm really interested to see Mason Paris against uh, Brandon Whitman. Um, also, the final rankings came out, and I would just like to pick your brain, Christian. Mm. And not pick your brain, but pick it. get your assessment. I mean, me and Nomad talk about it ad nauseum with the prospect ranking show and the uh, and the big boards and such. But Kyle and Christian, who are you most um, most looking forward to coming out? I mean, take your pick, right? But yeah, the pound for pound was Gable, Whitlake, Teamer, Carr, Brayton Lee, Joey Silva, Sammy Sasso, Mason Paris, Colton Schultz, the only underclassman in the 14-man wow. pound. Oh, my goodness. Pound. Gavin Hoffman, Michael Beard, Seth Nevels, Aaron Brooks, Brock Hardy. It's interesting. In this era of young guys standing out, one junior makes the pound one for junior. 13 seniors. That's interesting. I think when you begin the pound-for-pound pound discussion, you immediately just take out Gable from the discussion. He is a, a different being altogether, a different prospect. He's just like his own separate thing, mm-hmm. right? So it's like... It's almost like Zane at 149. It's like, okay, let's talk about the rest, right? All right, let's talk about the rest. Whitlake 2, Teamer 3, Carr 4. The guys I'm I'm most excited about, I think I think David Carr has the ability to be maybe the number two guy coming out of this class now, at, at the number four. Remember, too, there, Ja'Cory Teamer, I, I got a lot of questions. When the final rankings came out, they, I think the word final made people go nuts. But a lot of questions were why is Teamer ranked ahead of Car in the mm. pound for pound, but behind him at in the weight class rank. Teamer went up to fifty two late. He never did damage at fifty two because he he didn't hit national competition. It was all state competition. So take your pick there. What, what, yeah. So okay, I think it's a couple of things. One, I think you could say safely that Teamer has probably beaten better guys. I mean, he's beaten, and that's that's what would go into a pound for pound ranking. He's beaten Sammy Sasso. Um, Multiple times, so I. He's I can, also taken less losses. Fewer losses. Carr had some two years ago. Carr had some weird L's. He had, he has not had those since, though, right? No, he lost to Julian. He lost to someone else. I'm forgetting, but he lost to a uh, Joe Lee. Um, how the, recently though? The like last year's Open. Y- yes. Okay. Pound for pound in high school, which is different than college. Um, is often a function of partially last loss. If you haven't lost in three years, and mm-hmm. Willie obviously looks at you know big wins and stuff like that, but you haven't lost in two, three years, it it makes you really hard to drop below a certain point. Well, to be fair, what um, national folk style tournaments does Teamer go to? Because Carr hits Ironman and and tough. That's tournaments. another. That's another tough one too. Because some of these guys wrestle everywhere, like. Car and Sasso wrestle everywhere, so they're going to take losses. But I don't. I Teamer went to Super Thirty Two and HSCA Flow Nationals last year. Yeah, no, he yeah definitely out of season. He's. I don't want to 
I didn't mean to get in discussion on pound for pound philosophy or process. What I'm asking you is, who do you guys like more as a prospect, car or teamer? I like car. I like leg attacks. Yeah, I like car a lot. Although I think Teamer can be really good on the college level because he's so good at scrambling, mm-hmm. but he can be pretty reliant on that. You're not going to outscramble everybody. Yeah, we actually have a lot in the pound for pound. There's a lot in that wheelhouse. I guess Sasso is probably a 41, 49, probably 49. But you also have coming in right behind them. You go Teamer, Carr, Brayton Lee. Yeah, I, I like Brayton a lot. Strong, great athlete, a lot of good leg attacks. That's what I like. I like seeing guys that can get to legs at a consistent level. You see that, I think, the most with Carr, and that's why I like him the most. I agree with Bracky that Teamer's a great prospect, but, man, if your game is going to be Counters. Ben Askren as scrambling, you better be Ben Askren-esque or you're going you're gonna to get beaten a lot. And guys are going to, at the collegiate level, I would imagine. Now he could just be transcendent here, but I don't. I don't believe that he is at least yet. Guys will be able to get to his legs and finish, in my opinion, at least right now. This, so I could see he's going to need to evolve in some way, and he's always going to have this, and he's going to dangerous. And he's going to splay little kids in college, I bet. But you've got to be more than that. It's always concerning to me any kid in high school that. Can you generate your own offense? Because at some point in college, you're going to be down. You're going to be losing a match, and it's going to be at conference, CKLV. It's going to be you know Midlands, Scuffle, big tournament, and you're going to need to generate your own offense. I, I think and, another guy that could shoot up here in terms of, um, you know, from where he's ranked now, Aaron Brooks. Well, yeah. Watching him, Cadet Worlds. You know, we had a debate yesterday on who's number one on the show on the top 84-pound prospect in – I don't know. We, we didn't really come to a conclusion, but we had me and Nomad put Brooks ahead of Whitlake. Whitlake beat him twice and beat him rather convincingly. Um, so pick your one po- was close. Pick your poison there. They've definitely had a close match. The, For, the first one was close. Second one was not. Second one was a tag. Correct. Ten zero. Um, so pick your poison there. I love Travis Whitlake. He he generates his own offense too. Um, Same. I don't know who I prefer there. I mean, I, 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 can, I can definitely subscribe to Brooks over. Now, here's one thing you need to, to remember. I remember one of our first major FRL arguments with Willie was his prospect ranking and was 2015. Larry Early versus Joe Smith. Larry Early was 3-0 and against Joseph. I said, okay, why is this? Why is your process? I mean, I get it. You think he's better, but based on what do you think he's better? Well, I think he's better. I think he's gonna be better in college. I know. Well, Joe Smith was better in college. He was right. He had Joe ahead of him. I mean, I was wrong. I I caped up for Larry as a prospect. He's at this point in their careers, it's been yeah. Joseph. I mean, to, to be honest, this is kind of similar. Um, Brooks and Whitlake. Like, there's no data for me to say that Brooks is going to be better than Whitlake. It's I totally. Just, that's what prospect ranking is. I just. See skill set. I don't know. And if I, Josh Rosen beat Josh Allen in a football game. You don't. You know that's not what you base it on. I mean, yeah, it's different in wrestling. Just throw that um, out. Forget that. Forget my Mel Kiper moment. You have a, a good crop of upperweights, which is good. I mean, I love it. I mean, um, heavyweight's been really cyclical. I mean, there was a good crop about five years ago, or 
longer than that, probably eight years ago. And then it tailed off. And now we have guys like Gable Stevenson and Mason Paris and Colton Schultz, the only underclassman, and Seth Nevels. I mean, Seth Nevels gets overlooked, you know, largely because there's other great, great upperweights. What's going to be the fun debate for 2019 is Kirkfleet and Schultz. Mm -hmm. For sure. Why was Kirkfleet not on here? I get it's, it's tough to break. It just doesn't have that win. It's real. Kirkfleet's really tough, um, and it doesn't really sit well with me. But the bottom line is, it doesn't sit well with a lot of people. But from a rankings process, and it's not a it's not a prospect process, but from a rankings process at the weight and in the pound for pound, Braxton Amos has the last head to head. Got well, it. And and last year, like 2016-17, Kirkley took some losses. Um, the field that he beat in Akron to win, sure. you couldn't say. But, yeah, prospect-wise, Kirkfleet is everything you it's want. Really, it's really tough with, like, when you win Worlds. Like, how do you how do you weigh that? Because yes. there's a lot of – this is a good thing, but we've got quite a few world champions, you mm -hmm. know. Jared Verclearn was a world champion. Mm -hmm. um, Kirkfleet's a world champion. It's like you don't even know what they did. How do you – Quantify that? How do you I think. Throw that I mean, in? I think Joe Grello might have been in the fifth place match at Worlds, right? Jabari Moody, I think, was bronze. Or no, fifth. Yeah, he was fifth. You know, it's, um, who was it? That, I mean, Nathan Butler was bronze. 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 Um, so I'm not poo-pooing them guys. I'm just saying you don't know what the competition level is like. Yeah, weight to weight, it's different. Dayton was in some. You know, Dayton just now got a you know junior world title. He never won cadets. So it's it's tougher, um, yeah. So that's that's pound for pound. I I think you have to. This is a process ranking. It's not eyeball. We say it every. I I have been saying it every year. When so in a week or two, I will pull all the seniors out, and what we will have is the underclassmen, right, and the incoming eighth graders, of which there's. Uh, a significant amount of really talented, proven eighth graders. But what, what you have left, you're always very underwhelmed, right? You take out the Gable Stevensons, and what you're left with, you're like, man, this stinks. And then two months later, after Fargo and stuff, you're like, yeah, this isn't so bad. They're pretty good. That being said, <laughs> this year, when you take these guys out, what stars are left? It's, it doesn't look like a great recruiting class for 2019. So Schultz is going to be your uh, number one overall pound for pound in like a couple months. Almost unquestionably. Well, huh? Almost unquestionably. How would he not be? I mean, I like, I like Colton Schultz a lot. He's going to be top two or three. I mean, Kirk Fleet's very good. Well, wait. How, uh, what could happen between now and when these seniors are moved that would have one of these guys pass Colton Schultz if he's he's only oh my number one pound for pound yeah yes uh, yes okay gotcha. I you said prospect Willie gotcha. I'm with you there the the class of 2019 I feel I mean Kirkley Schultz McHenry I'm very high on but it is going to be a lot of guys who are starters or guys who if they I mean there's going to be there's going to be all Americans right just because of like the nature of the cyclicality of Kyle Dressling. But there's going to be guys who, when they become All-Americans, they're going to be um, Bryce Meredith types, right? Where it's like, there we didn't have a lot of data to confirm in high school that you could be this good. 
you created yourself this good. You got in a good program. You got in a good system and, and, and believed in yourself and was able to turn around. But right now, the class of 2019 does not look like it's going to be spectacular on paper. This let's is ta- we're Let's talk with. about that next week. Okay. Um, I, I'd like to get into it. I, I want to talk about it. I want to talk about the class of 2019. Um, let's get into a couple questions before we depart. There's not as many because I, I said in my tweet it's going to be Bergen heavy and we took a half hour there. Um, we got to Robert Sasso's questions, question about Flynn or Bono. Let's get to Sammy Sasso's question. On the family. 57 kilogram U.S. Open. Um, no Spencer Lee at the Open. We'll see him at the trials. Dayton Fix? I think we'll see. I think we'll see Tony Ramos. Probably Nathan Tomasello. Do you agree that the, um, do you agree with, I tweeted last night. They should split up junior trials. We're, do, we're having too ag- many, too many Gable Stevensons, Dayton Fixes, Spencer Lees. I mean, there there was a time a couple of years ago where it's like, okay, it makes sense to have juniors and seniors at the same time. Let's have it all together. It makes sense financially. It makes sense for a lot of different reasons to do that. But anymore, if this is the way we're going, Yanni's we, still a junior, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Yanni's. Um, yeah, second-year junior now. You've got all these guys that could potentially make these splashes at the senior level. Maybe it's time we don't make them choose mm-hmm. where we want them to compete for a senior because what if Dayton Fix is the guy? What if Spencer Lee is the guy? We want them to go over that. But we also, if they're not the guy if they're second or third or whatever, we want them on our junior world team because those are amazing tournaments, amazing experiences, and they should be able to win those tournaments. Now, you could do this. You can do it, but... You could, you could do that. You can say, all right, you get a special wrestle-off later. But the way the process is currently written for Spencer Lee, because he's not a returning world champ because of his injury last year, he cannot, at least to my knowledge... He cannot get this like special wrestle off. It's kind of he's kind of all like seniors or nothing potentially. Mm-hmm. Now they could. I don't know if there was anything about that when they gave Joey McKenna his special wrestle off or not. Perhaps there was, um, but I don't recall. So for for that reason, I, I think I they do need there to. Was. Yeah, I, I believe there was too. They should do some have it separate or, or make it so that these special circumstances, these special these Daytons and Gables can can do both. It just kind of gets buried too. There's so much stuff going on. Yes. Well, that's and like thing, I remember yeah. last year, like ten minutes before the finals started, they're like, "All right, we're gonna start them in ten minutes on the big stage." You're like, "What?" Like, holy cow! Like Dayton and Gable and Mark Hallvers, Alex Marinelli, and like all these awesome matches are happening, and it's like we just finished a round, like quarterfinal round of the U.S. Open. Then boom, right into this. Yeah, and that's another. That's another good point too. Is that one for procedural reasons, split up juniors and and, and seniors. Uh, another is it's a great event. Have as many great events as you can, mm-hmm. right? So don't get buried because you know Chance Marstell is wrestling Alex Derringer over here, and we're forgetting about David Carr and Joe Lee. Which if it was on another date and time, that's a marquee matchup. For sure, for sure. Um, I, we didn't answer Sammy's question about 57 at the <laughs> Open. I'll take uh, – give me Dayton. Give me Dayton. Yeah, I'm not picking against Tony again. Oh, geez. Last year – You got the oh, wag. Yeah. Oh, snap. Last year, 
I remember picking against him, and then like five minutes before, he was bopping around, and I was walking down that, oh, that stairs, and he like looked in my eyes, and I was like, son of a... Why did I do that? <laughs> I forgot about Tony at the open. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Maybe I'm going to refrain. I don't know. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah, I don't blame you. I don't want to get that finger whack. I think I picked. I picked him last year. I was on. I think I remained on his good side. It was Nomad enraged several wrestlers. Jordan Oliver made for a tremendous U.S. Open. Huh? Who was it last year? Tony and who? Tony and Nishan was the final. Yeah, and he 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 sat in that cradle and waited for the shot clock to break, and then took him down. It was. Really smart. I hey. thought he had it. I thought he was on a single. Or yeah, single. Yeah, You're that right. was what that was cradle. smart. Did you do you guys catch? Sorry, I'm going back. Did you guys catch Jordan on the shot clock? Jordan's opponent was on the shot clock, and Jordan pushed him out with one second left on the shot clock. Where if he would have waited one more second, then we got two. two. In fact, John Smith <sighs> said that should be two zero because he thought they expired. It hadn't quite expired. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um... I thought John did good on the call. He's the goat at multiple things, including <laughs> wrestling calls. Would adding DeSanto to the Iowa lineup make for a truly competitive team race with NCAs with PSU? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think we're talking about 12 points with DeSanto. They got to make up 30 or 40. Here's the thing. Was Sorensen fifth? Fourth? Yeah. Here's the thing. With Iowa, and I know that we're taking guys out, you know, so like Stoll's going to be way higher, but Lugo has not All American. DeSanto, not All American. Now, only one try for DeSanto, only two for Lugo, but those guys have not All American. So you're asking them to do something they haven't done. Doesn't mean they can't do it. Well, it's not even that. It's, it's just, I, I'm personally taking Lugo and DeSanto's high end point scoring potential. For sure. I'm, I'm putting, I'm applying that. I'm assuming that. And they're still coming short. Lugo could be in the finals. DeSanto could get third. I still don't think that's enough to beat Penn State. I mean, you start with four finalists and work from there. Penn State has four finalists. And they're going to be good at every other weight. And three other returning All-Americans. Three other returning. It's, it's just it's not I mean, insurmountable because nothing's insurmountable. But, that, yeah, it's not just a DeSanto. It's not just a Lugo. It's... Those guys at their highest potential, they're short. If you guys take talk Dake for Olympic, is there anyone that could prevent Cox for Snyder final at Olympic team trials? No. I don't no. I don't see what gets in the way of that unless you know. At, at this point right now, I don't know how you could say who could be there. now, is there a young guy that we're not considering that could is a couple years away from challenging Jaden Cox? I don't think so. I don't see that guy because Gable's not coming down. Kirkfleet won't be there at 2020. So, no, I don't I mean, think. who's a, the top juniors? Warner. Here's here's my Olympic trials finals in 2020. <laughs> oh, let's do this right now. Let's go. <laughs> Dayton Fix versus Spencer Lee at 57. Hmm. 65, Zane Rutherford versus Yanni Giacomahalis. 74. Jordan Burroughs versus Alex Derringer. Alex Derringer. 86. David Taylor versus Bo Nickel. No Kyle Dick. 
Dake. Where you got Dake? Kyle, Kyle Dake. Dake versus David Taylor. <laughs> 97. Jaden Cox versus Kyle Snyder. 125 kilograms. Gable Stevenson. Gable Stevenson versus Nick Wisdowski. There's the Olympic trials finals. What should... So who's the Dan Dennis going to be? Oh, yeah. Uh, these are getting blown up for sure. Completely. Oh, yeah. They're not even like... Bat, and you included young guys, like you even like thought ahead, like it's Yanni, just it's just Olympic it's just trials. Going, it's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to you, happen. one of those guys will have debilitating injuries that will end their career. They'll never be the same. I mean, stuff. This world's this year. Also, Mark Hall's name wasn't mentioned. Zahid Valencia's name was. Yeah, it's gonna be good. I'd We're, like to see. I'd like to see Ed Ruth wrestle Kyle Dake. Yeah, well, that we, would be we, tremendous. <laughs> we could have in 2015, but um, Dake beat Taylor. Taylor beat Ruth. Taylor beat Ruth. Taylor beat Ruth. Was, Taylor beat Ruth. Yeah. Dake beat Taylor, right. Like I said. If Zane – this will be, it should be our last question because it's 9.09. If Zane had redshirted the 16-17 season instead of the 14-15, what's the likelihood Penn State would be NCAA champs the last eight seasons? Um, Ohio State won with 102. Yeah, but the the question is, they would have won the 16-17 season for sure without Zane's points. Yeah, this was this was the source. This question was kind of the source of you got a plan gate, right? My plan was for Penn State to win every single year and not take a year off. So that was my thought. If you wrestle Zane now, you could win NCAAs ultimately. So, yeah, you could say that, that they would have won. But would Zane have become Zane without that retro year? What happened that year? Because he he went from a really good guy who beat Logan Stieber to a transcendent bonus point scorer in that year. That was Huda Shell Habit? Yeah. Yeah. But there's also the, like, butterfly effect of, Okay, how does Ohio State and Oklahoma State and Iowa and Missouri, how did you know, and Cornell, how do they change their recruiting, and how do they change how they juggle their red shirts and gray shirts and and their lineups to? Well, I don't think I don't think anyone was juggling lineups based on Zane's red shirting or not red shirting, right? Like, but I'm saying if if Zane graduates a year earlier, that then changes the pool of 149s. Mm-hmm. Potential. Um, yeah, Ohio I don't State know. would have won this year, theoretically. If you kind of go chalk, they would have won this year because they won by eight and Zane scored twenty four, twenty five, right. whatever. Yeah, there's a there's so what is the likelihood is a question. I'd say there's a fifty percent chance they would have won eight straight. Put it around that. So it's definitely a possibility, but how can you question? The track record or the path that Zane took, and not say they made, they made the, right the right decision. decision. I mean, how do you? The guy won three NCAA titles, was the most dominant guy for three straight years. But yeah, you're right; it's possible. Um, nine twelve. If there's nothing else, I think we depart. Twelve over, like. Don't like twelve who? over. Who's twelve like, over? Um. Ryan Anderson at Super Thirty Two. <laughs> he still, he like, still won it. He still won it. <laughs> that right. that is an interesting prospect there. Mm-hmm. Ryan well, Anderson. Most like ridiculous I ever heard was uh, everybody remembers Mac Loon, right? Cornell. 
Yes. Uh, Rudy Rada was a kid for Damatha who they were going to meet him at Madness, which is a big tournament in Maryland. And uh, teammate of mine's brother was, was way in front of him. He was drinking a gator. He's like, wow, this kid must be way under. He was like 14 over. He oh. completely just blew weight to not have to wrestle Mac. All right. You could be point one over, but um, I guess he, he overkill. There's no way I'm wrestling Mac Lunas. Mm-hmm. We thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, stay tuned to the Bergen Catholic situation. Um, be curious. Ask questions. We have many. Thanks for listening. We're going to be back next Tuesday. And, uh, yeah, thanks, ASICs. See you next time.